Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student, where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Welcome back, Scriptorians. This is Lori, and I am the 20-Minute Scriptorian, and we're joining us today for Come Follow Me, Mosiah, the All About section. Now, as you recall, this is a section where we step back, take a look at the book as a whole, some of the themes, structure, maybe the setting, different things before we jump into the text itself to see if we can't help us kind of understand what's going to go on. Now, first, I apologize. I have been uh, out of commission a little bit. Uh, as all of you in the world, I'm sure, are aware, uh, COVID-19 has made things very different. And for me, it has made my work exceedingly busy. So we've been doing um, seven days a week uh, since February. I've had a few days off, so I'm not complaining. Um, but it has made me really, really, really busy. So anyway, stay healthy out there. But I apologize for not being around so much for our podcast. But anyway, let's jump in to Mosiah. So Mosiah is a really interesting book. So the first thing to remember as that we get into this, because this is probably occurring, it says about, uh, let's do when first, so, uh, 476 years or so after the departure from Jerusalem, which puts us at about 124, BC. And that's the first date that Mosiah actually mentions in the book, and that's at the coronation of Mosiah. So we have to kind of back into some of those dates. But uh, this is later than the arrival of the Nephites in the land of Zarahemla. So that dating happens, then we kind of track back a little bit, trying to figure out what's going on. So the Nephites maybe get there, I don't know, 162 BC, something like that. Uh, and then we know that they've been there for a number of years when we hear about Mosiah's coronation. So that's kind of what's happen happening. Now, location-wise, this is a big shift, right? So we've heard, um, ending up in the book of Omni, that Mosiah escapes from the land of Nephi. So the land of Nephi was where, when uh, Nephi and Le the Lehites all land in the New World, they land and they live together for a short period of time. And as you recall, Nephi is warned that his brothers are going to try to kill him. So he gathers uh, his uh, Sam and their wives and everybody and the, anyone that's following Nephi and they separate, and um, and then they have these wars that go on with the Lamanites. But at that point, they become the Leaf, the Lehites become the Lamanites and the Nephites. So they're leaving this land of Nephi that they've now been at for hundreds and hundreds of years, and now they're going to have to flee again. So they flee to a land of Zarahemla. So we have a, a change in geography as well. Now, the people who leave with uh, Mosiah and escape the land are all of those who would have believed in the Nephite religion and anybody else who would follow him. So remember that the Nephites, as a general classification, and it's not a cultural or a um, 
This, it's not an ethnic, it's a religion, it's a political affiliation. So if you were following this group, then you would follow the Nephites. But, uh, but anybody could have been a Nephite. It, it wasn't, again, a, an ethnic thing, but a political thing. Anyway, they leave the land uh, where everything up until now has basically taken place. So we're now in a completely different place, which means um, a couple of big things culturally. So first, there's a different language. So they're going to talk about that a little bit, but they're going to say that this is a different language than they had been speaking. So uh, that's really big when you think about it. So uh, different, the people of Zarahemla are speaking in a different language, and they had forgotten as well the religion of Jerusalem. So in Omni 117, it reminds us that these people in Zarahemla had really um, apostatized. They had left the uh, law of Moses behind, and so that's a big shift couple big cultural shifts you're going to see as well. And it's, uh, once you see them, you'll start to go, oh yeah, yeah. So kind of keep your eye out for these. But they change some, a lot of the things that are going to happen. And the first thing is the rise of a king. So um, this really happens, it's one of the greatest social upheavals and they start to happen right now. So it's political, it's social, it's religious, but this rise of the king. So you're going to see it in the themes. They're going to talk a lot about the, the we're being very worried about a monarchy. The, the dangers of following a monarch. And we're going to see it over and over again with people like King Noah or whomever. So, and then you're going to see a few righteous ones like King Benjamin. But it's one of these uh, changes where they really follow a monarch and there's less of a ruling class and an elite class and they're going to a, a single guy. So, uh, it is one of the ways, however, that they are going to try to resolve this pressure about this rising um, egalitarianism. So there's kind of these social stratifications that that you hear. You hear Benjamin talking about them. You hear Nephi even had talked about it way, way back when. But there was these uh, social stratifications, these groupings happening. So the king's at the top, but it's one of the ways to to kind of break up the power. Let's talk about the book for a minute. Um, so the book, Mormon is the editor, as you know, so we all know that. But what's really different is that he seems to have worked out this big plan. So when Mormon, um, he's just, he's my absolute favorite character of the whole Book of Mormon is Mormon. But when he is carefully planning out this book, there's, there's no other prophet that has written or structured more scripture than Mormon. Right? So if you think of somebody like Jeremiah or Ezekiel, who have really, really long books, they are just writing about their time and they're writing to their people and they may know that they're also writing for the future. However, they don't write for this great expanse and Mormon does. So he's writing from this kind of outline. In fact, if you look at Helaman 2 um, verses 12 and 13, you can see that he's looking into when he writes back in these stories in Mosiah. He's talking about Mosiah's future, but obviously it's it's um, Mormon's past. So so you can see where he knows that he's kind of layering in these structures. So he's kind of working from an outline, which I find absolutely wonderful. Remember in the title page, the title page of the Book of Mormon was part of the Book of Mormon. It was the very back of it. And it says that for the uh, convincing of the Lamanite and the Jew and the Gentile that Jesus is the Christ. That's one of the main purposes. So convincing the Lamanite and the Jew and the Gentile that Jesus is the Christ. So you're going to see those themes. You're going to see these ideas be laid out by Mormon because he's saying, well, if I'm picking and choosing all these records and all these speeches and all these stories, 
I'm going to carefully make sure that you see those themes instead of just some of the politics or some of the other social issues. In fact, sometimes you have to kind of read between the lines to understand all the social issues because that's not his purpose. So when we pick up Mosiah, it's the first time that we leave the first person narrative. Now, remember, that wasn't how Mormon had it. Uh, when Martin Harris lost the 116 pages, that original part, the book of Lehi, um, all the way through even Omni, was uh, part of what Mormon had, and it was lost. And so the small plates, which we get Nephi, now he obviously tells a lot of the stories of Lehi and all this, but they aren't what Mormon had written. So um, they were added as an addition, and then we start with it. So the original Book of Mormon, as Mormon laid it down, did not start I, Nephi, being born of goodly parents. It started with something else. Now, the Lord knew all that, so the Lord p has put it together for us. So, yay. However, this is where you start to see this is Mormon's writing. And so it takes this narrative. You don't have the I, Nephi's anymore. It's kind of a third-person narrative, right? So they're telling the story of then he did this, then they did that. Now, there are some speeches and there are some um, dialogues and things that are written down, but it's still telling the story from the past. And it's going back and saying, hey, I'm going to tell you about Benjamin or Alma or whomever. And so just, just watch for that because it's a very interesting change that happens. Uh, like I mentioned, no writer of either the Old or the New Testament has ever written so much material that focused on demonstrating a single religious point. No other writer in all of, dis of Scripture has described a thousand years of history in such a way to tie that whole history to the will and the work of God. So he's going to show this whole picture. This is all part of God's plan. Um, I quoted that, actually, that's Brant Gardner's uh, analytical and te contextual commentary in the Book of Mormon. So go check that out. I, keep, I read from him a lot. So if you want to read Brant Gardner's commentaries, they're awesome. Thanks, Brother Gardner. All right, let's go on a little bit more. Um, something to remember. So Mormon actually has chapters and book divisions. So let me repeat that. So when Mormon wrote on the plates, he had chapters and books. And in fact, it looks to seem, it seems like he actually titles the book names. So like Mosiah. Now they aren't always about every single person that writes. So if you think about it, Mosiah or even Alma, Alma has Alma uh, Jr. and then it actually goes to Helaman and then it gets to someone -so before even Helaman writes. So it doesn't always change just because the, the person that it's about say Helaman or, or, um, or Captain Moroni doesn't have his own book, but, um, it's with some other things. Sometimes it's the kingship changing. Sometimes it is uh, a speech or something. There's, there's some different time differences that seem to break up the books, but the chapters and the books themselves are broken up by Mormon. So when the, uh, when it went to typeset, when Joseph Smith writes and then it, whoever his, uh, scribe was, they have, remember, we talked about the script. They have some of the script, like about 28 pages of the original. They made what's called the printer's manuscript, which Oliver Cowdery wrote a second, and then they dropped that off. We have that. But the, um, it you know, it's handwritten. There aren't um, paragraphs. There aren't sentences. A lot of the punctuation is missing. And so the typesetter, the guy that actually puts the letters and, and then makes the print, has to decide. So if you're reading 
the scriptures and the Book of Mormon and you're like, hey, I think this verse um, says something different if it was combined with the following or the previous. No, that's not how Mormon wrote it. That's the typesetter. So don't get stuck on some doctrinal point because of a sentence or a comma. Those are interpretive. However, the point that's so cool with that is that Mormon did choose. He chose specifically what books to write and he specifically chose what chapters and books and that was there in the original plates. So watch for those. You might see some uh, interesting points. He's trying to uh, bring us to Christ by pointing out certain things. All right, let's talk about themes for a second. Uh, one of the themes you're going to see is or an, a concept that he keeps talking about and starts right out in Mosiah 1 is peace peace now it may not be a long time so they may say it was it was um, a long peace but it might only been a year or it might be you know 20 years that peace reigned so they're going to pick it up and say from this time forward but King Benjamin had peace um, it, it's more of a quality the depth or the quality um, where they didn't have wars but it's not that they just it went on for a long time so just notice um, that that's unique to the Book of Mormon how they describe this kind of uh, political peace also, let's, um, you're going to see some other themes. Oops. I lost my notes. Oh, so a couple of other themes. One of them is we talked about kingship. So you're also going to see a layer of sacred kingship. So it's going to say the king, but also who's the great king? It's the king of kings, right? It's Jesus. So King Jesus is going to be the ultimate ruler. So we model after him. So it's this king... You're going to see these pros and cons, these contrasts with the existing kings, whether, again, it's King Benjamin or King Noah or Mosiah or Alma or many of the Lamanite kings that aren't so bad. Uh, you're going to see some of them, and you're going to see this sacred kingship is paralleled. You're also going to see deliverance. So you're going to see the deliverance by the Lord. So Jehovah's deliverance. So it can be physical. You'll see them be, um, we're going to see it, right, with uh, Zenith and Limhi and those guys in just a minute, but we're going to see how they get captured and we're going to see it over and over again um, in the book of Mosiah. But we're also going to see that it's the Lord that's going to help deliver them. And of course, a parallel that it isn't always just a physical capture, but it can also be a spiritual deliverance as well and a redemption of that kind. So you're going to see this theme's kingship, sacred, uh, sacred kingship, Jehovah's deliverance. The last is the revelation of Christ. So all important is going to be this revelation of Christ, not only who he is, but what his mission is about. So you're going to see those layers in Mosiah. Structure, um, it's going to talk really about the reign of Mosiah. Uh, the first one uh, is really how it layers over. Um, and three royal ceremonies. So you're going to see these ceremonies that happen, Benjamin, Mosiah, etc. And you're going to see where they find these newly discovered scriptures and they follow this little pattern. So they're going to read it to the people. They're going to talk about the dangers of the monarchies and they are going to celebrate the deliverance of the people and the revelation of Jesus Christ. So those themes that we just talked about, but you're going to see these layers. So watch for it in Mosiah. It is a beautiful book. It is beautifully crafted and the stories are absolutely fascinating they do they're complicated um with the timelines so if you 
need to write a chart of who all these people are. It helps. Um, I also really like the Abinadi sections. So I'll tell you, I'll just tell you, I have right now I am doing, um, one of my final classes at uh, Bible school and it's on theology. So I've mentioned that a little bit before, but it's kind of philosophy and I, I don't love it. I really like reading the scriptures, but I don't like reading all these philosophies and they, they don't resonate very with me. They seem really made up. So Anyway, we, we study and study them and write lots of papers on them. But one of the things we have to do is actually write our articles of faith. So right now I have to go through every week and write basically, just like the proclamation that just came out, by the way, last week or so, um, I have to write something similar to that. But it is very <laughs> specific. So, um, you know, week one was the Bible. Week two is the Godhead. Week three is um, God, etc. So this week we are on salvation and so I have to write about what salvation means is that heaven is that hell is that resurrection and um, since I go to a school that is a um, very conservative Protestant school they don't believe in any ordinances or priesthood or authority and things like that so it's it's really it's really different so as we go through some of these books um, on salvation or uh, these these topics, I um, I may have I may have dipped into Abinadi a little bit and really written it word for word in my paper. So thanks, Abinadi, for helping me with that paper about Jesus Christ and the atonement. So we'll see if they pick it up. I I did cite it in the paper. I doubt they'll notice it, but I did lift and shift a little bit from uh, the prophet Abinadi to help me explain the salvation. Of Jesus Christ. So we'll see what the Protestants think about Abinadi. It's brilliant theology. It is so amazing. In fact, I was watching the little um, video, if you watch the Book of Mormon videos, which I think are great, but I was watching it and I was trying to do this paper kind of at the same time and I had it on in the background just uh, keeping me company while I worked on homework and I was like, oh, that's perfect. And so I just uh, basically opened up the scriptures and took it right from his speech to King Noah and the wicked priests. So Anyway, there's your weird aside. So I love this section of Mosiah. It is, it's got some of the best stories. It's also got some of the best speeches. We get King Benjamin, we get Abinadi. Oh, such great stuff. So anyway, that's it. That's your all about. So thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for your patience while we get through this COVID thing. Everybody stay healthy. Uh, keep praying for each other. And we'll talk to you soon.